I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. Dharmaram podcast for May 18th, 2012, and today we are looking at the institutional and anti-institutional dimensions of Jodo Shinshu. So uh, we want to continue our discussion uh, that we began last time. We got a great question from one of our listeners uh, addressing the perceived attrition or decline uh, in uh, membership problems that uh, Jodo Shinshu community is having. Uh, And so, you know, we asking if that's even the case, you know, how do we know these things? Uh, and then in, in looking a little bit about why, uh, the one suggestion given by our listener is uh, that the seeds lie within the tradition itself uh, and that Shinran's teachings have an inst- anti-institutional dimension. Uh, and so we looked at that a little bit. Uh, I have felt that way in the past, and, you know, I think you can read Shinran in that way. Uh, you can... Uh, read him uh, rejecting a lot of institution, Buddhist institutional aspects, right? But, uh, you know, I think that's only one, one possible reading, uh, and that we have to be really careful to read Shinran too much in that way, and that he wasn't rejecting institution, uh, but that he was uh, reimagining it. Is, is kind of my take on it, uh, just in a nutshell. Uh, and, uh, but just this whole question is interesting in itself. Right? And, and seeing this uh, anti-institutional dimension, uh, we could even go so far maybe and call it an anti-institutional bias. Uh, and maybe it says more about our culture than about Shinran. Oh, I think it definitely does. Yeah. That's my two cents. Okay. <laughs> Run with it. Uh, um, well, I think that, uh, as, as, as you and I have talked about before, I think that um, it's important to remember the particular cultural and historical circumstances in which Shinran was writing, and that we need to be careful about reading too much of our own cultural uh, perspectives or cultural biases into what Shinran was was saying and doing. Uh, you know, I think some of the things you said last time in our last episode were really great about um, how you know Shinran says we're disciples of the Buddha, or that you know he says I don't have any disciples. There are still he clearly has people that look up to him and see him as a teacher. Um, so it seems very clear to me that Shinran had a community around him and that it's, it would be difficult to say, you know, I, I don't know, I hear anti-institutional and I, I just, it feels to me very American that we, you know, American culture has this sort of, you know, hyper individuality embedded within it. You know, we're in- incredibly distrustful of institutions. You know, we're always talking about, you know, government is out to get us or, you know, whatever, like we have this sort of, uh, you know, our own institutional biases um, as a culture. And I I just want to be cautious that we're not being self-critical of that and, and, and be cautious that we're not reading our own particular cultural baggage into what Shinran was saying 750 years ago because he was living in a very different time. 
even up to including, I think, what an institution, quote unquote, is and what it means and how it functions. I mean, how we think of institutions is going to be fundamentally different from how Shinron thought of them. So yeah, I just, I just want to be more critical of that, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. It's my, there we go. <laughs> Come on, that's not all you have to say. Nah, let's just, let's just keep going. More. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was interesting because thinking about Shinron and what he was uh, uh, going against, right? What he's he criticizing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is an interesting question. And you know, Tendai Monk for twenty years, and right. seems like he saw a lot of corruption up there. Um, saw a um, decline in the Buddhist teachings, and that you know that uh, Buddhism in Japan at that time was not in good shape. And yet, for all these people who are stuck in this situation of uh, a, a, a Buddhism in decline, there was something available. Mm-hmm. Amida's vow, sure. right? The, the Pure Land Path. And, but he didn't come to this conclusion by himself. He encountered a community with a very strong, charismatic teacher, Honen. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, so it's kind of interesting that Shinran, although he left an institution, the, the powerful institution in the area, Mount Hiei and Tendai, uh, he joined another community right. Right, and uh, became uh, one of Honen's disciples, uh, really looked up to Honen, refused to see himself as a Honen, right? <laughs> refused to see himself as a bodhisattva. I mean, he seemed to really view Honen as beyond, I think, superhuman, mm-hmm. uh, as a bodhisattva, as something more than just a regular human being, uh, but, and yet rejected that for himself. Uh, and so it's interesting to see the early days of the, his, Shinran's community. It seems like Shinran viewed himself as not creating a new institution, but as being part of this Honen's community. Right. right? And so that uh, in Shinran's community, they t- probably did, uh, in, after um, Honen passed away, that was the important Memorial Day, was Honen's Memorial Day. That was when they would have a special service uh, each year or each month. Uh, and that's the way it went for a while. And it wasn't until uh, later on that Shinran became the focus of this uh, community. So there's all kind of institutional stuff going on around Shinran. He's not in a, a, um, a vacuum of having left community behind, left institution behind. It's like, no, there's institution, just a different kind of institution uh, and focused on something else than, than the main one. Uh, and that that, in a way, is what we've inherited, uh, although we have inherited a temple um, hierarchy, hierarchical, bureaucratic institution the way it is now. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of thing, I think we can feel we can criticize. Yeah, uh, again, be I think that being, that's not yeah. what we're, we're not saying. Don't ask questions, you know, <laughs> um, I think it's fundamentally really, really, really important to be critical of one's institution or one's community. If you can't be critical of your own community, then you're going to be in big trouble because if you're not able to be critical, then you're either going to become stagnant or people are going to abuse power or bad things will happen. So it's absolutely important to be critical of one's community. Um, But I just don't, I'm just not, I'm not ready to accept the idea that Shinron was saying community is bad or that institutions are bad, that we should abandon them all. And then we should all, you know, go out and forge our way through the wilderness of Samsara. And it, it seems very clear to me that he had a sense of, uh, of, of Sangha, mm-hmm. you know, and it's interesting to think about how he says that he's a disciple of the Buddha and that, you know, we're all true disciples of the Buddha. Then that adds another layer to community, right? It's not just that, 
you know, your community is your immediate circle of friends or the people who live in your city, but, you know, your community is the sort of trans-historical cosmic community that goes back to, the, you know, ancient India, you know, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to think about the, the implications of being a disciple of the Buddha um, and what that means for our relationship to other people, both present and past and future, and I, I don't know, it's, it's you know, to just sort of dismiss it as anti-institutional, I think is, is let's go deeper, let's go more, let's go, let's yeah, let's yeah. really explore that. I mean, that that, that got me thinking because uh, one aspect of Honen's teaching uh, that was criticized by the the dominant then dominant institutions was your lineage is not direct; hmm. you've got gaps, right? How um, can you consider um, Shandao or Zendo to be your master? Right? You never met the guy. There's no um, connection. And if we look at your lineage, there's all these big holes. So Honen was not, I think, did, in a way, did not have the kind of mind-to-mind transmission or you know, direct, that it has to be this direct uh, lineage, that, mm-hmm. that there's a connection through Amida Buddha with, uh, that we can have that. It, it looks a lot like Protestant Christianity <laughs> in a way. Oh, no, 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 no. Just in the sense that you can reject, you don't need the priest. You don't need the institution. I mean, I think that's kind of what happens as part of this Yeah, picture, and again, right? I think that's a, an interpretation that we're doing. Right, because it, this happened earlier. Yeah. Actually, Protestant Christianity looks like this. Exactly. <laughs> right? Well, I no, mean, I just mean that I think, that, you know, I think it's interesting to, to think about how Honen and Shinran reject the idea of lineage in a direct way, which was the norm. But that's an issue of lineage. That's an mm-hmm. issue, an issue of, of lineage and authority that's... I think to me, very, very different from what Luther was rejecting in terms of Christianity and Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to sort of you know, put aside the, the Christian interpretation for a second, I think that the idea that you necessarily should reject lineage um, because you're a true disciple of the Buddha or of Amida Buddha, and you know, that to me is very, very interesting because mm-hmm. that to me opens up this whole other world of a, a different kind of cosmology and a different kind of relationship that sentient beings have with, you know, history, with the, the, the cosmos, with, you know, the Buddha, with, you know, I mean, to me, all of this stuff is very, very Buddhist in the sense of, you know, there's, and I, I think that's much more interesting than, than looking for comparisons. From Solomon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, and a part of it is, in a way, that it seems like that Shinshu, as a Shinshu Buddhist, you, it's about you and Amida Buddha. Right. And like one example uh, is uh, Shinran's, you know, famous statement that I think is very uh, difficult to understand and could be interpreted in so many ways, but I find that the vow was made for me, myself, Shinran, alone. And that is also feeds into this possible individualistic kind of thing. It's, mm-hmm. ju- you know, uh, and but, but it's interesting because it, it does seem to be saying that uh, I don't need the priest to perform the rituals for me, that, you know, this is about me and Amida Buddha, right? And that, um, that I can be a true disciple of Buddha. But I like what you're doing is you're saying that it's not only that, though, then, that I'm a disciple of Buddha with other fellow disciples of Buddha. Right. And to me, like that statement that the vow was made for me alone points to, uh, you know, another sort of, I think, you know, a sort of undercurrent in Shinshu, Buddha, uh, Shinshu is this sort of radical humility. To me, it seems like Shinran is saying, you know, sure, maybe, you know, other people need Amida too, but what do I know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, you know, again, what you were saying about him putting Honan as this like superhuman kind of person for Shinron, he didn't see himself that way. And I think part of his, his personal spiritual growth was this recognition that he is limited, that he's this limited, foolish being who doesn't have, you know, supernatural powers. So he can't, you know, to me, I think you can interpret it and not, you know, and I'm, I think I'm reading a lot into Shinron here, but I think you could interpret that statement as saying, I don't know about you and your problems. All I know is me. Mm -hmm. All I know is me and that I'm a foolish being and I need to work out my own salvation. Maybe you need the same thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, like that's, that's a kind of individualism, but it's not such a, a radical individualism that rejects community or rejects the need to interact with other people. It's just simply is a, a refocusing on your own self in, 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 a, in a humble kind of non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. And I would say uh, the way I've been reading it lately is, is, is extremely subjective. Mm. That I can't be objective about other people's religious status or you know salvation or whatever. I can only know my own. Right. I can only work with what I have. Uh, and so I see it as not only what you're saying about the humility, but also as this um, almost radical subjectivity, right? That it's, it's I can only know myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think that passage needs to be thought about deeply. Right. It's too easy to, to just hold it up and be like, this is an example of this, you know, and I, you know, I, there's all kinds, one example being uh, uh, why we're not evangelical, like forcing thing, you know, forcing our religion down other people's throats while Shinran says it's about me alone. So I mean, then you know, I've heard all kinds of different interpretations of that, which is great. Yeah. It's, and you know, I, I I used to hate it, that that expression <laughs> because I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't think it's that easy, you know. Um, but um, you know, interpretation is like the lifeblood of religion, right? That we can take what someone had said and we have to uh, think about it, and we can't just be like, oh yeah, that seems to be the answer. Yeah, this right, is the fun stuff. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to me, like this is the fun stuff. Like this, you know, if you're not being challenged by your particular path, then like why do it? I mean, <laughs> you know, working out these difficult, challenging things, I think, is really very rewarding. You know, even if you don't get to a, an answer, at least you start to think about things differently. You know, mm-hmm. rather than just sort of you know, oh, this means this, and then you're like, well, maybe it means this or this or this. Or I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And then that helps, I think, with your own radical subjectivity, right? Of figuring out where I am. You know, how am I relating to these teachings? How am I relating to other people? How am I relating to myself? What's really going on? Mm-hmm. I think those are really important questions. The confusion that comes from yeah. all of it. Yeah, and that, you know, you know, I've been doing the correspondence course, uh, um, a teacher for one of the um, sections. And um, it's interesting because, you know, some people, the, the answers to the first one, the first one's maybe the hardest to grade because people feel like they have to pack all this information in. Right, as if they, they know the answer. They're dry, they, they're, they feel like they have to show that they know the answer. And to me, I'm like, this is just too much. It's like, you can copy this out of a book and show that, you know, this is the way it's thought about, but I would, it's, it's a little too much for me. I'd rather, I've been studying the seven masters. We keep threatening to do a whole series on them, right? <laughs> I've been studying them for, for what, 15 years now and still learning more and more and more and still um, my appreciation of them is deepening. Uh, and so uh, I feel like a lot of this stuff is like that, that if you think, you know, we want answers, and we go in, but if you think you got them real quick, and then you feel like you have the answer, and now I've got it, and I can hold on to it, I would say time to reevaluate. <laughs> um, that you know, maybe, yeah, maybe that might be, and you might be able to find that answer in print that you can cite. 
that doesn't mean that that's what yeah. it's about. Yeah. Yeah. That it should we should continue to to uh, qu- question these things. And, yeah. But it doesn't mean too that you shouldn't say no. I think you're wrong, you guys. And I, th- you know, take a look at this. That's great too. The the, the critical. I believe that um, Buddhism is. Uh, so much this critical kind of endeavor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? critical of of being po- the the um, possibility of being critical of pretty much anything. <laughs> and I think that's all. I mean, you know, I think it's, that's important to be critical of institutions too. Right. Um, I, I don't want to give the impression that I think that um, that we shouldn't be anti-institutional or that we shouldn't be uh, skeptical or suspicious or critical of institutions. I think that spirit of criticism can be very very helpful. Mm-hmm and healthy and vital in making sure that a religious institution or a community is growing and it's, you know, being responsible and it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And ultimately for folks like us who I think are in positions of leadership or in some sort of, you know, uh, positions as actually influence or change the direction of an institution, it's important for us to really think critically and be very reflective and deep about what our role is and the, what is the purpose of having this community and how are we interfacing with our members and how are we helping support them or, you know, whatever. Um, I think those are really important questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, I think part of that needs to be the serious sort of self-reflection of, you know, we're coming to Buddhism from within this larger culture of America and we bring with us all of this cultural baggage and part of that is this radical individualism, which I think is different from what Shinwan is talking about, mm-hmm. um, and this radical anti-institutionalism. And I would hate for us to get to the point where we're like, we don't need any kind of institution whatsoever. You know, don't but, throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there's lots of- we don't need of- it, because we have the internet, come on. <laughs> um, so uh, we actually got another kind of addition to this question. So. Uh, uh, our, our listener says, uh, on a related note, we also have the decentralizing influence of the internet, right? Uh, where people can hear the Dharma and interact virtually with other practitioners, uh, even and especially in cases where there is no local temple to attend. So this is this big. is big. It's huge. And the internet's stupid. Um, I mean, come on. Nothing but cat videos and <laughs> <laughs> and these two idiots talking about Buddhism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I, think I was thinking about that question again, and I think that it's interesting because it seems like he's implying that one of Shinshu's practices is listening to the Dharma. Because mm-hmm. he says you can hear the Dharma on the internet. Right, 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 right. Um, which I think is really interesting. It's mm-hmm. very, very interesting to mm-hmm. think about what Shin practice is and to be able to do that online. And I, I believe in the internet. I believe in the power of the internet. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the internet is a panacea for all of life's problems. And I don't think that we should necessarily assume that we can replicate everything that we do in the real world online. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we should divorce ourselves entirely from reality. Um, you know, the internet's a tool mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's an important, powerful tool, and it's part of our lives. And, you know, I, like I said, I believe in it. Um, I'm just not convinced that you can replace, uh, you know, all kinds of communities with online ones. Maybe you can. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Right. But, but, you know, I don't think he's saying that we need to replace them. I mean, no, 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 this, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm reading way too much in there. I'm, right. the, I've watched too many cat videos. <laughs> that can only be good. <laughs> Although Henri brings you down a little bit sometimes. But, um, the decentralizing influence of the Internet. I mean, the, yeah. So, so kind of going back to the, the that idea of, well, it, it's all connected, right? The... Um, Everything's connected. Um, this that subjective, radical subjectivity, uh, this possibly individualistic aspect. Uh, but I think that in Shinshu, uh, a really important part 
is encountering someone with Shinji. Hmm. I mean, that would be the encountering someone who's got it. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're intelligent and, um, you know, that smart or gifted or, or super special or something, uh, you know, in a, in a normal sense, uh, but that they've come to entrust in the Buddha. Maybe it's one way we could put it. Mm-hmm. That there's something about them that they seem to have, uh, well, the way we can put it in Shinshu language is they've been embraced. Right? And it's not in a way we could say we're all embraced, but yeah, but there is, I think we could point to some uh, qu- not quantitative, qualitative difference in someone that uh, has. It's ineffable. Yeah. But, and yet there's something. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's a really, really important part of Shinshu. And maybe that points to the importance of Sangha. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, that you can read in books all you want, but the. That maybe the, the most important thing is encountering someone who has advanced on the path somehow, who has uh, uh, wrestled with this stuff, you know, and they're not going to be uh, a guru. They're not going to be uh, someone better than everyone else. They're not going to be someone um, higher, right? But that actually, in a way, they're, they're, maybe they're more real. Right? that you can tell that they've been through a lot in their life and maybe they still have a lot of uh, difficulties in their life and yet uh, they have had this encounter with uh, Buddha's compassion mm-hmm. and have been transformed. Right? So encountering uh, the Shinshu tradition, I think encountering someone like that is important. It's, it's maybe the most important thing. Uh, and maybe that's what community is in Shinshu, right? Is A, trying to meet someone like that and if you are someone like that, to be in community, to be out there, right? Not hiding away, yeah. right? Uh, but that, uh, and, and it doesn't mean that you're out there, you know, uh, lecturing and, and, you know, getting adoration from the masses or something, but that you're just, no, you're just living your life. But that is part of being a Jodo Shinshu Buddhist too, I think. Now that doesn't preclude, or doesn't um, exclude the internet, right? That um, just think about Shinran and Renyo. Mm-hmm. People couldn't be near them, so <laughs> they didn't have the internet, they didn't have telephones, so they wrote letters. Right. right. So I think if we think of the, the internet in that sense, right, that it's actually very powerful yeah, uh, yeah, right, yeah. And, and positive, that um, it's just continuing this tradition of uh, communication. Right, and, that, and that's what I meant by you know, the internet being a tool, as I think mm-hmm. that people... I think we invest too much in the internet in terms of a virtual world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there are certainly aspects of the internet that can be thought of it that way. But I think that fundamentally the internet is a communication tool. And in that sense, mm-hmm. like an extension of writing letters, it, it can be extremely valuable. Yeah. 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 And you know, when, and you know, how uh, our listener says, um, especially in cases where there's no local temple to attend, yeah. just that, Boom, you know, that reverberates a lot for me because I know that there are uh, a lot of people out there that are uh, see something, uh, have found something in Shinshu that really speaks to them, uh, but don't have access to the community. Right? All they so, have access is these two idiots talking about Buddhism on this yeah. podcast. I mean, and Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, actually, there is a lot out there. There's a lot of good stuff out yeah, there, I think, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, but Much better than our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But um, so the internet is really a pow- potentially powerful tool, right? But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, you wouldn't, at this point, I don't know if I would suggest that that's 
a good reason not to go to temple, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not, I don't think that's what he's saying. But, um, but interesting, is that having an effect on our temples? I would think actually it would um, increase the desire to go to a temple. You know, that um, you're able to be Jodo Shinshu Buddhist. You're able to be in conversation with people. Maybe you're able to create a community. Mm-hmm. Right? And then uh, at some point to be able to go to a temple would be a, like a pilgrimage. Yeah, that's see, another part of Jodo Shinshu. And that's too. another thing about this whole conversation. I think is interesting is that you know we 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 look at Shinran and we see this anti-institutional stuff, and we and I always think, well, maybe he's reimagining community. Um, we should be reimagining community here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these people that write to us about being in the middle of nowhere or being far away from a temple. You know. Shinran was exiled to you know the middle of nowhere Japan and so he created his own community and I almost feel like there's this there's this weird tension in the BCA where the BCA wants to sort of control everything and like the BCA wants to make sure we get more members and whatever and that's fine and the BCA should absolutely do that Um, but I kind of wish that there were more communities out there that were uh, homegrown or or, uh, you know sort of spontaneous you know Mm -hmm. I, I can imagine that there's folks in you know the middle of missouri or whatever who are like you were saying i felt connected to jodo shinshu for whatever reason and if they could sort of create their own community that then could you know somehow interface with the bca and like you said go on pilgrimage come to the jsc whatever that would be really interesting that would be Mm -hmm. really powerful and if we could find a way to sort of uh you know help make that happen help support that that would be great Mm -hmm. but you know but i also recognize that that has to be like a spontaneous thing that people do beyond the institution, right, outside of the, the pre-existing community, which, uh, you know, is sort of my, I don't know, that, that I think is what we need to start, you know, taking, you know, this idea of this radical individualism or subjectivity of Shinran to its to a different place rather than saying, let's just re- get rid of community. He's reimagining community, so let's reimagine community here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a pipe dream. Well, but it, and it's you know it's it's asking a lot of people, yeah, uh, because you know, I I remember being interested in Jodo Shinshu and not and having <laughs> access to any resources yeah, really, yeah. and not knowing any. I even went to Japan in college, right, and went to Nishi Honganji, and yet feel, still felt totally separate from it, right? That that wasn't my community, that that wasn't something available to me, uh, and uh, so and I know you know, so to to think I'm going to make my own community. Right, it's it's huge because well, what are we gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well you know, maybe there's the, the there's the internet, and you can uh, right, right. Look at cat videos. No, um, <laughs> there's certain I, I don't know. We got to make Shinshu cat videos. <laughs> um, what do you a, do? That's yeah, a good yeah. question though, because yeah. one of the questions we want to address in a later podcast is what is hardcore Shinshu? Yeah. Right? So maybe that's one way to think about it. If I were to create a community. What are we gonna do, right? And for me to ask that is is one thing because I'm a trained minister, I'm a trained professional, uh, I know how to chant, right? I know the format. I've been doing it for years now. Uh, but f- to think about it from the point of view of someone uh, who doesn't have that background, what are we gonna do as a Shinshu community? And um, what can BCA offer in assistance, mm-hmm. not in control, but in assistance? Right? Maybe we think about this question from a different perspective. Maybe we can come up with a kit or something with like, you know, uh, a CD or DVD with, um, you know, a possible service format and chanting and you can practice chanting along with it so that you can eventually do it by yourself. 
so that um, people can do that even by themselves in their room, but then to start to do it with other people. Uh, we have we have the resources in a way the dojo tradition mm -hmm. uh, yeah, from yeah. Shinran's time of you know that it wasn't about going to a big temple it was just about people getting together and being together right, right. maybe that's what kind of what our um, potlucks and hoakais and that kind of stuff is about um, and I think that we could actually get more towards the dojo away from the food although that's a nice part but more towards the dojo thing of you know asking interesting um, deep penetrating questions and uh, yeah, oh, this is exciting.